The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Welcome to a Breath of Fresh Air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a Breath of Fresh Air. Samuel, you said you'd be here by now. Okay. He told me to wait a week. He said he'll be here after seven days in Gilgal. That's what we agreed upon. Man, you gotta come quick, Sam. We gotta, we gotta go to war. There's a war. The war is about to start. We have become obnoxious to the Philistines. They want to kill all of us. My men are running wild. Listen to them. Okay, I'll relax. Just calm down. But Samuel, you better be here. You better be here. The sun is about to set. It's it's, it's almost day eight. It's almost day eight. The sun is about to set. I'm not waiting on Samuel anymore. Go. Send somebody out there and see if he's on the path. No? He's not? I'm not waiting on Samuel anymore. As a matter of fact, I'll do this myself. I'll do this myself. I don't need Samuel. I, King Saul, will perform the sacrifices myself. Erect an altar and bring me the animals for sacrifice. A burnt offering to you, Lord. Samuel, it's about time you showed up. But don't worry, I have everything under control. Saul, what have you done? When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to do the burnt offering myself. You have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command that the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure to the end. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people. Because you, you have not kept the Lord's command. King Saul and the Israelites are at war again. <laughs> no surprise. In this episode, we'll be focusing on 1 Samuel chapter 13. King Saul has some very important decisions to make, and we will be discussing his actions in this chapter. As always, be blessed and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. We thank everyone for tuning in. Hopefully you guys had a great week. Despite if it was long or not, thank God for Sabbath rest. Um, yeah, I really appreciate every and everyone who tunes in every week and listen. Um, this week, we are continuing the story of the Israelites. I mean, we're going to be doing that for a while, so I probably have to come up with something else to say. But we're going to be talking <laughs> about Saul specifically. Um, but before we get into all that... Um, Oh, we thought this was going to be based on something that me and Nakaz were talking about before the pod. And it really just goes into knowing what you believe and why you believe it and the importance of being steadfast in your resolution. So like, you say you call yourself a Christian. For those of you who listen to this podcast who are Christian, why are you a Christian? And do you know why you're a Christian? Do you know what you believe? And like, what is the... What is the characteristics of a Christian? What do Christians believe? What are stuff we should all agree on regardless of denomination? Like, 
what are your beliefs and why are they so important? Because it's one thing to just call yourself a Christian and they'll be cute about it. But if someone, if you're having a conversation with someone who doesn't believe in Christ, like what are you going to tell them a Christian is? And when they start to push back at you, do you know, like Tokazi says, like, do you know what you believe, why you believe it and where it's found? It's like, can you back it up? And to me, like that's super, 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 super important in the day we live in because there's so much deception out here. And not, and realize I didn't say just lies, like flat out deception. The lies coming to you presented as truth. And in today, more so than ever, and I know a lot of different generations probably could claim this, but I really do feel like in today where information is so readily and easily distributed and false narratives can be so readily accessed that it is definitely important for everybody to know what you believe, why you believe it, and where it's found. I know you probably got a whole bag on this. <laughs> I know I get deep into a bag, but bro, it's, it's just important to read the Bible, bro. I feel like a lot of, um, I mean, it's, 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 don't get me wrong, bro, it's a lot of nerdy, very theological debates that people can have, especially people who know the Bible. But in general, I feel like a lot of the disconnect with a lot of denominations is just off the fact that people don't read the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. I was one of them. Um, I and I prided myself on knowing the Bible. I had attempted to read the Bible. I listened to the Bible. I never actively listened for it. I did it just because I felt the need to. But it wasn't until like this podcast, honestly, that I actually really start retaining information about the Bible. And it, it really taught me a lot. Like some people who I thought of as the hero in certain stories, I realized could be seen as the villain. You know what I'm saying? But overall, it helped me to challenge why I do certain things. Like uh, it helped me to challenge what I believe. And so I encourage everybody else to read the Bible. If you call yourself a Christian, right? If you consider yourself a Christian, understand what understand what's in this book. Understand the principles that's outlined in this book and do it as if you do not belong to any denomination. And I'm saying this to Seventh-day Adventists. I'm saying this to Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, anybody. When you read the Bible, forget every person, bro, forget every sermon you ever hear. Unless you are, you already read it and you struggle to understand and you need um, people to help you break it down. I, I recommend going about this just you and God, just you and the Holy Spirit, because a lot of times that can kind of that can kind of challenge and break down all of the tra- traditions that a lot of people hold on to. Just just plain and simple, it's, it's certain things where when people tell me, I know that you actually don't read or, or you haven't you haven't read a lot in the Bible, you know. And I'll, I'll just I just feel like we'd be more unified as as a church if everybody was to be more informed. On this, suppose, bro, my bad. I say I wasn't getting to a bag, right? But obviously, it's something, I, obviously it's something I'm passionate about. But a lot of people believe that Christianity is really about acknowledging that Christ is God. And I disagree. You understand? Like, I feel like it's you have to have faith in God. That's, that's salvation. You understand what I'm saying? However, if you are acting like the devil, but you acknowledge that Christ is God. I don't see how that makes you a Christian, especially because we have people in the Bible who were um, Israelites. You understand what I'm saying? Who were Christians, but they was Ananias and Sapphira. They were Christians. You understand what I'm saying? They were Christians. They tried to scheme the church. They end up getting put to death. Not not put to death, but they end up getting striked down by God. Just murdered, like not murdered, but anyway, God. Hmm. You know, they're deceased because of their Deceive, deceiving acts in church. But they were Christians. They they recognized God and they just were being sacrilegious and stuff like that. So the point I'm making is like, like we are, we, are, we should be trying to get more like God. We should be trying not to make the mistakes that the people of the Bible have made, right? How will we do that? You know, how will we learn about God? How will we understand what God expects of us? except that we read the Bible. And I feel like once you read the Bible, you will understand the responsibility that we have as Christians to represent God. However, when you don't read the Bible, you could, you could subscribe to the, to, um, the notion that 
Well, I just have to acknowledge that Christ is king. I just have to, I know that Jesus is, is, is God. I know that I pray, you understand? And, and that makes me a Christian. But I don't think so. Because like at the end of the day, whether you acknowledge Jesus is God or not, Jesus is God, bro. Like, whether you, whether you believe my name is Nikaz, my name is Nikaz. Like, it doesn't matter what you think or what you believe, you understand what I'm saying? Like, this, the truth is the truth. It's, it's a constant, you know what I'm saying? The devil knows that Jesus is God. He knows that firsthand, but he's not a Christian. That's wild. You understand what I'm saying? And so, like, truthfully, I feel like it is the greatest asset for all Christians um, to, to study the book, you know, to study the good book, to understand it, and just to learn. It's a fun book. I, it's a little hard to read. I'll be very honest about that, but the stories are very entertaining. I like it, and, and it's, it's good for your soul. It's one thing I just want to, like, Hop on. Um, we'll see how long this goes. But again, like, don't just take people's word for it. Even if, even if we say something, like, again, we have the thing in the beginning, you know, use a breath of fresh air reflects the parties involved in me. Encourage you to use it as a conversational tool to further studies of your own. The reason why that's so important, that's just, that, that, that really shouldn't just stand for a breath of fresh air. If you're listening to a sermon by a pastor or religious leader and they quote scripture, it is still your job. I shouldn't say job, but it's still, it, would, it should still behoove you to go and read some of these passages that they're quoting to make sure they're not out of context, to make sure like to get the further story around the verse. Because sometimes in the sermon, they pull it from like different verses and sometimes they use these one-liners and different type of stuff. And you have to go back and like read the full context because a pastor could say something to you that may be misleading. And I ain't trying to say some pastor here misleading people, even though some are, but still, like, it's still your job to go and learn the Bible for yourself and read it, even though it might be a harder read for some. That's why I say, like, okay, there's a whole debate about the different translations and versions. Where are some of these things are valid? Don't get me wrong. But if you struggle reading the King James, personally, I say, okay, leave King James as a tertiary level book. And I do think you should go back and read it. But if you got to start off with the NIV, even though NIV got some stuff going on with it, it's a clown to people, the ESV. Def, but my thing is start reading and get a basic understanding because God could use this book to start opening your eyes to certain things. Now, when you don't get comfortable reading these things, you already get a familiar, familiarity of the story. You can go back to the King James, can read it and, you know, fight through it. But then at that point, you already know some of these things. You actually can see the original context of some of these stories and see if verses or passages are missing. You can compare and contrast, but that's, that's, that's in your personal size to grow deeper. My whole point is, don't use the hard reading as an excuse not to read it for yourself because that's how the devil can leave you in darkness. Because if you just start just taking people's word for it, you're not developing a relationship with God for yourself. And God wants a personal relationship with you, not just a personal relationship with your pastor in the middle. He wants to know, he wants for you to get to know him. The days of what we're reading about in the Bible right now with the, with the priest in the, in, in the session before, before the people before God, those days are gone. You yourself can go petition before God directly. So that means you yourself have a direct personal relationship with God. And that's what God wants. Sorry, I see you. No, no, no. I, I had another thought. What I choose to keep that for another time. <laughs> All right. All right. But yeah, so I guess that's the thought. Like, know what you believe, why you believe it, where it's found. And then also, like, don't be afraid to develop that personal relationship with God because... I think some people might find it's like an extra burden, but to me, it's just, it should provide you some type of liberty because think about it. Like we have a God that wants to get, like he wants us to get to know him because he already knows us. And that's the weird part about it. Like he already knows us, but he wants us to get to know him. He wants to have that relationship with us. He wants to be a refuge in a time, time of trouble, in a time of storm. He wants to be a rock, your foundation. He wants to be these things. But he can't be it if you don't have a relationship with him. So just food for thought. So where are we this week? We are in 1 Samuel, starting from 1 Samuel 13. And if you've been following along, you know, you kind of guys know where we're at in the story. But for the off chance that there is someone listening for the first time, and this is their first episode, we love to do recaps. So let's see how quick I can make this recap. Definitely, as always, if you want a full, better understanding, please go back and one, read the Bible for yourself. And two, listen to our 
past episodes because we really appreciate when you actually go back and listen and leave a comment and like and subscribe to get that in there. (laughs) So as a recap, the people of Israel wanted a king. They really, really wanted a king. But the, the irony was they already had a king and their king was God. But they wanted an earthly king because they looked around at the other Canaanite nations and they said, hold on, what's different between us and them? Which is already a flaw because what's, what should have been different is you guys worship the one true God and these guy people don't. But they said, you know what? They have, a, they have a king who leads their armies. We want that. So they, so they went out, petitioned before Samuel saying, hey, Samuel, you're getting old. You've been doing a good job, right? But uh, we, 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 after you, we don't want your sons. Your sons faulty, so we don't need them as judges and priests. We, but you know what we do want? We want a king because, you know, the other nations have a king and, you know, we want that. And so Samuel, you know, gathered the people, told them, like, this is a sin because essentially you guys are rejecting God, the God who brought you out of Egypt, the God who gave, delivered this land into your hands, the God who's rescued from your enemies. You guys are abandoning him because he essentially is your king. The people say, okay, you know what? We still want a king. Samuel told them all the consequences of having a king, that your king will, you know, cause some of you guys to get killed, take your wives and your sons and everything like that. No, we want a king. God said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So you know what? Their hearts and minds are made up. Give them a king. And so Samuel, uh, God showed Samuel the person that will be the first king of Israel. This guy's name was Saul. And he was a head above everyone else. He was a strong man. Uh, he, He was a kingly figure, as if you would imagine. And so... Yeah, that's where we're at. Saul already got anointed. He already had a, a run-in with some with the enemy of the Israelites. He was able to rescue some Israelites that got encamped and save them from getting their eyes gouged out. And that's kind of where we left off last chapter. That's a you know brief synopsis. Definitely go back and listen to the past episodes. All right. So even like just straight up the gate, even before I time me and Kazi were going back and forth, it'd be like on this timeline, like we're probably going to talk about it in the podcast again. But so in, in Samuel 13, verse one, Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel. And a thousand were with Jonathan in Geber of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away every man to his tent. And for context here, Jonathan is Samuel, no, Samuel, Saul's son. Because I don't think they like said that yet, right? Nope. Okay, perfect. And so we see Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear. Now now all of Israel heard it and said that Saul had attacked the garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also come, had become an abomination to the Philistines, and that the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Ain't it funny how when the people, like when the Israelites were just, you know, calm and meek and submissive, y'all cool with them. Now they starting to like, you know, rise up and fight back. Now they is an abomination to you guys. That's what I was saying. They are abomination to you, bro. Like, that's crazy. Like, abomination is such a strong word, man. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, seriously. Because, like, abomination, okay, I just, I just Googled it just to, you know, get the, you know, the, the, the online definition. A thing that causes great disgust or loathing. A feeling of mm. hatred. <laughs> like... Sure. Just like when the Egyptians hate, yeah, the shepherds were an abomination to the Egypts. The Egyptians. Yeah. Just said Egypts. Wow. That's, that's crazy, Will. So then the Philistines gathered together to fight Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. Wow. You see, when I was reading this, right, I was like, hold on, why are there 30,000 chariots and only 6,000 horsemen? I mean, like, okay, I guess, I, I guess, I guess he's like the, the single horseman, like who these just, just on horseback and the chariots were the ones who were actually like pulled by people in chariots. Okay. So I'll give them a block. I'll, I'll give them a buy. I'll give them a uh, buy there. The point, the point that stood out to me though, is that now obviously in the world of 
you know, God and Israelites. This shouldn't matter, but they say they say Saul chose three thousand men, right? Verse two, Saul chose yeah. three thousand men mm-hmm. from Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Why, if your if your opponent is coming with thirty thousand, wait, yep, thirty thousand, thirty-six thousand, really? Yeah, bro. <laughs> This is and the mismatch. people on and the people in the sand as much as the seashore. So it's like you have thirty thousand chariots, six thousand horsemen, and then you're just raw infantry is innumerable. <laughs> but still, I see your point. But then yep. we have a story of Gideon. Yep, that's how they describe the Moabites, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like like the sound of the seashore. It was a lot of camels and stuff, and you know, getting out much less than 3,000 at the end. <laughs> okay. Um, and they came up and encamped at Mick. I know I pronounced this wrong, but Mikmash. <laughs> I don't see how that's wrong, bro. I don't see no other way you can, you can pronounce that. <laughs> it, just, it just don't sound right. But I don't see no other way you can pronounce that word, bro. <laughs> <laughs> to the east of Beth Avon. Uh, when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of God in Gilead. As for Saul, he was in Gilgal, and all the people following him, trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But when Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattered, and the people were scattered from him, so Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings for me. And he offered the burnt offering. So this was like the debate that me and the cause was having before. We should say debate. This was a discussion we was just trying to like wrap our heads around because um, here you see they say he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. Right? And the context that we've seen used for this was in Samuel's first Samuel uh, 10 verse eight, eight yeah. where it says where Samuel was like, when we definitely go back and check this episode, but this is when Samuel told Saul all the things that would happen while he was King. Right. And he said, go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. And this was before Saul was made king. And so it's the whole thing now we're trying to figure like, um, when did this, the timelines, because it's like, we, we, we at this point, this chapter started with Saul already being king for over a year. This is the second year of his reign. So we're like, okay, this is interesting. But yeah, because we see seven days and Gilgal, Saul and Samuel. So that's, that's, and this first Samuel 13 verse eight, that's funny. And so 10, verse 8, and 13, verse 8, they talk mm-hmm. about Gilgal, Saul, seven days. And Samuel. I don't know how, bro, I don't know how this could be the same time they talk about because, like, this would have been a long week for, for you as a king. You know what I mean? Like, this would have been an active first week because, remember, we was just saying how he was plowing his oxen. And we was like, bro, big king like you, and you still plowing oxen, and Nayash coming and gouging on people's eyes. And mm-hmm. you don't even know what's happening. I'm like, bro, how quick could all of these things have happened, bro? You're telling me that you have to, you went to Gilgal, right? Um, you, you fight Nayash. You're all sitting around waiting on Samuel. Um, Samuel anoint you again. Because remember that happened after they, they fight Nayash, right? Not anoint mm-hmm. you, but he basically, um, he basically reinstate you or he basically tell everybody the rules and, Remind them that God isn't pleased with them to have a king. That old spiel. All in a span of seven days. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that 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 that, that this is the same time. Like unless it, I, I assume they probably saying, well, two things could be happening. First ten could be like a, a fast forward thing because you know the Bible sometimes they don't they don't describe things in chronological order. Mm-hmm. And then this could also be um, that Saul. I mean, Samuel had established with Saul that 
when you go to Gilgal, whenever, whenever time you go to Gilgal, I'll be there seven years, seven days after you. Like that might be a, a tradition or continual thing. I don't know what. The fact of the matter is, Saul right now at a place where he was told to wait for Samuel for seven days, and Samuel would appear to him after seven days. Or so you seven. know what's interesting too, right? So like I just went like while you was talking, I was listening. I just went back and like just tried to like see what else I could figure out. So I like I went back to um, Samuel for Sam for Samuel eleven, right? And then we see, then Samuel said to the people, come, let's go to Gilgal and then renew the kingship. And then, so I'm like, okay, but didn't y'all already renew the kingship? But then, like we see in chapter 12, he had his farewell speech. Right? Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, did he, like, then did, come on. yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, so like, <laughs> like, did, like, did, like, did he say this, like, you know, speech where they was in Geber at that time and then, then Saul went to Gilgal, and then you know Samuel's was coming after this. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I just confused the whole thing, but it's interesting. Yeah, there's yeah, something we, we we can sit down, we can hash this out if it if it if it come to that. Maybe when we get to, do they talk about Saul in, in Chronicles? Uh, I, I think, think so. they mentioned him briefly, but I like, yeah. this is this is most of his focus here. Yeah, right. So we probably when we get to Chronicles, <laughs> a couple of books from now, we might we might revisit this. Yeah. So anyway, so now we see, so what we saw here was that, uh, where was I? So we say, bring me the bird offering and Saul offered the offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. So we see Saul took it upon himself to offer the burnt offering. Um, we see, he, you see all the troops with him were quaking and fair. He waited these seven days, but Samuel did not come up yet. And then he said, you know what? Bring me the burnt offering. I'll do it myself. So just keep that in mind. So now we see in verse 11, Samuel appeared and was like, what have you done? Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the, come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling in Michmash. You see, like they spell it different there. I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. In verse 13, Samuel said, you have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, you would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Geber in Benjamin. And Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered six. They numbered about 600. So so much things right here done, Park, right? So now we see Samuel said, first of all, you did a foolish thing. You did a foolish thing in offering these sacrifices. And to just to like break it down for people. So Saul, okay, so Samuel could have offered sacrifices because he was a judge and a priest, but most importantly, he was a priest. He was the high priest of Israel. So he could offer sacrifices to atone for all the sins of all the Israelites, right? Saul was given instructions to one, wait seven days for Samuel to come. Wait seven days for Samuel to come. And then Samuel will offer the sacrifices for the people when, when he does arrive. So now on this seventh day, Samuel was taking a bit long to show up. So Saul seeing these people were around him fearful. As the Bible paints it right now, Saul seeing people around him were fearful. They were quaking and fail. He said, you know what? I, it's, it's the seventh day. Samuel ain't arrived yet. Not saying that this day has been finished yet. Samuel just ain't here yet. My man's scattering. They quaking and fail. I need to do something to renew this, like to, to, to try to bind the people together. So since Samuel had offered sacrifices, I'm going to do it myself. So we see he took, up, he took it all himself and he offered the sacrifices. He offered the sacrifice, the burnt offering. And we see like right as he finished making it, that's when Samuel came. But the problem is as a king, he doesn't have the authority nor the appointed office 
to offer these sacrifices for the people. So that's what he did was wrong. Like one, he didn't trust or waited in God. And then he offered sacrifices that he wasn't supposed to be offering. So, bro, you know, you know, I struggle with this one for sure. Bro. Yeah. It's like, I feel, I just feel bad for Saul because of the punishment that was given. Now, obviously, we make mistakes, but then we also do the wrong thing. We also disobey God sometimes. I mean, you could call it a mistake, but it's not an accident. Sometimes you intentionally seek out to, to disobey God, right? Mm-hmm. And so based on the way Samuel responds, you can tell that Saul intentionally disobeyed God. You know, you can tell that he, well, first of all, Samuel had already explained to him all of the duties of the king multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. So to your point off mic, he's fully aware. The point that conflicts me is Saul assuming that he's doing something for God, but he's doing the wrong thing for God. So it reminds me of Cain and Abel, two people who also offered sacrifices. Obviously, it was at different times. Levites did not exist. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's mm-hmm. why... Aaron. Mm-hmm. Kent's sacrifice was obviously wrong. It was obviously wrong. And if he didn't, and if, if even if he didn't know, God himself said, bro, if you do the right thing, then I will honor it. But if you don't, sin is, is, is knocking at your door. But I just feel sorry for sorrow because I'm like, bro, you see where he takes martyrs into his own hands. But according to him, he felt like he was doing it on behalf of God. And I think about myself, right? I think about times when I take matters into my own hands, right? I override what God is asking me to do or what God is telling me to do, but I'm saying, I am doing this thing for God, or this is what God would want me to do, or this is for my best interest. This is saving many lives. This is saving money. This is whatever. I'm just taking this into my own heart. But it made me sad because I see how great a consequence these actions are. And so it helps me to understand the, the, the importance of obedience. Um, even, even the smallest sin, like Jacob, Jacob and Esau, Jacob stole the birthright, right? But to me, the birthright was never supposed to be his because I mean, he stole a blessing, but the blessing was technically, in my opinion, supposed to be his because the birthright was sold to you, bro. Like, it's a package deal, bro. You can't have one without the other, but it just don't work like that. However, he used methods of deceit in order to obtain that. Nefarious so means. Right, <laughs> so there's one thing he did, but he paid for it, but he paid for it <laughs> multiple times. He, gave, he, paid multiple, he paid for it for the rest of his life, bro. Like, his life, like, Based on how the Bible describes it, bro, it was just one bad, just this bad situation, but after bad situation. A series of unfortunate events. Just a, just a series of that because of one thing that he did. And so you would be like, man, his life just went down the drain after that. Obviously, he still had God, so, you know, it's not all bad. But it just go to show how even small sins or even little petty situations that we deem to be petty, the fact that we disobeying God or we doing the wrong thing, for the right reason, quote unquote, is still the wrong thing. And we'll explore this concept a little more in, in, in Simon chapter 15. I, just, I love mm-hmm. first Simon chapter 15. It's like, it's just a life lesson to me, but it's, a, it's important to understand no matter where you stand with Saul, you might think that he did this accidentally. You might think that he knowingly did the wrong thing. Wherever you stand with Saul, you have to understand that he disobeyed God, mm-hmm. period. You understand what I'm saying? Whether it was ignorant or unknowingly, he disobeyed God. And there is consequences for your actions. So let's take it outside of the realm of God and Christianity. You could accidentally harm somebody. You could accidentally steal something, do all of these things, but there are still consequences potentially for these actions. You you get pulled over for speeding. You tell the police, hey, I didn't even know I was speeding. It's discretionary. However, it is fully within the rules for him to give you a ticket, for him or her to give you a ticket, because at the end of the day, you still transgress the, the laws of the land or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you see, it's, it's the same concept here. Saul, 
whether being pure intention, and I'm saying this now because obviously the, this story even going to unfold a little more. Whether mm-hmm. pure intention or not, he felt like he was doing the right thing for God. You know what I'm saying? But it has, it had negative consequences. Serious for ramifications for his serious actions. Serious ramifications for, for his actions. <laughs> uh-huh. And for me, like, I mean, I say this off mic too, but for me, for Saul, it was like, as much as we can put ourselves in his shoes, it goes by something I was saying, like for the last like two episodes, I personally would have not wanted to be the first king. Because as much as, because we see how time after, we see ready two witnesses where Samuel borderline bashed these people for choosing a king. And Saul was right there hearing all of this. And the reason why I say, okay, Saul, you should know better. One, for, first of all, even if your people quaking and fail, you have, mul- you, you have the stories of the judges. They, they should be fresh right now. They should still be super fresh. And even with even with Samuel, when he became when he became a judge and leader of the people, like how they, how he was able to lead the people to battle by trusting in God. So when he was the first, he was the first king. You already hear how the last thing we figured out in last episode was when Samuel said, "If you, if your people, if you and he's been Samuel the people, if you, if you people and your king love and serve the Lord and trust in Him, things will be good for your kingdom. But if you do not, you guys will you guys will fall into ruin." So yeah, you are surrounded by your enemy troops. Yeah, things ain't looking good. The day ain't over yet. You should be trying to like pray to the Lord, trust in him. And, but you just saying, okay, my people quick and fair. No, one thing I do, I got to offer a sacrifice. Let me try to raise morale by offering a sacrifice. So, and again, like, I know we talk about this off mic, but and to your point, you say no matter where you, where you stand on this. But I'm like, nothing here really shows that he was doing it. For God, it was more so to like, how can I boost my stats and try to embrace morale of my people? And so if it was like using God as a tactic of motivation as, a, as opposed to doing it in sincerity, in my, in my thing, it's like the two could be conflated here because, I mean, we, we're in a time of war, so people just get desperate. So like, okay, if I can use this means and it might seem good, but I really don't want it for my selfish purposes, then you, you, you still ain't doing it to honor and glory of God. And that's, so, a good, that's a good point. Yeah. So I'm like, because people could, because like, again, like I could do good, but I don't have good intentions behind it. I mean, because like, but people, and a lot of people is give to charities in the States, but they don't really care about these causes. They just do it for tax saving purposes. Right off, yeah. <laughs> so you're doing good, but your, your heart ain't behind it. Yeah. So you're still doing good for personal gain. And then, then I, and I, I feel like this is what it was here. But then again, I'm like, you have so much instances and so much examples of why you should be trusting in God now. And you, and you know, you was the first king. How much pressure is this on you? Granted, yeah, the people coming to you, right? But you've the whole story. You've the whole, you've all the books of Moses. When the people were crying out to Moses day after day after day after day. And he was, I mean, he cared at the end. At the very end, Moses did care. But you, bro, what you going through? We ain't harder than what these other people going through. That's true. And and, and I, I wouldn't even say Moses cared, bro. Like his emotions just got the best of him. Mm-hmm. You understand know what I'm saying? Like truthfully. Like we know Moses no right from wrong, but like at the same time, a lot of people have a breaking point. But you, he was described as the most humble man, but he lacks self control in that one instance. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And I feel like every human can relate to, to not having self control in certain circumstances. You know. Mm-hmm. But like going like going back to something we used to do when again to your point off mic, we need to go back and start like identifying the test. Uh, for right here, because this was Saul's first real test, because you had the because t- we see Samuel was delayed. He was delayed, and again, when we if we go back to our Noah episode, Noah was in the ark for seven days before the flood came. Mm. Seven days before the flood came, Saul had to wait in Gilgal for seven days before Samuel showed up, and they didn't say when during this during the seventh day, at what point of time he would show up. He just had to show up before this day was out. And so in my head count, and we see Saul already say, bro, that seven days come, you might be expecting Samuel to show first, show up first thing in the morning. Because Saul still offered these sacrifices on the seventh day, but we see right after you offer it, that's when Samuel came. You might have been, like, let's say me and me and the cars make plans to drop the podcast every Friday, which we do, right? But you guys expecting every Friday at eight o'clock. Suppose one week off on the off chance, it drops at nine o'clock. Yeah, it's late but it still drops on a Friday night. You know what I'm saying? But you're expecting it this time because already you're already feeling this pressure on you. And you just saying in your head, oh, I can wait, but the day has come, but it's a little bit more delayed than you think. So you say, no, I take this upon myself now. But you, you, but I'm like, again, you should have been, 
like you ain't been praying this whole time. Like, I, again, like, you know, you, you have the history. You have the history that you could go back and look to. Every time we cry out to God and ask for help, we are delivered. This is true on all the judges. We ain't, we ain't even do nothing. Yeah, like Gideon had an army of 300 who went up against thousands. <laughs> yeah, probably like 100,000 or something like that. <laughs> like, you have a legit army. Like, this is what I'm supposed to mention. Like, you have a legit army now. Like, this ain't no ragtag militia. So, you have a, when you have a legit army, who I assume might be some type of level of train, and you got God on your side, it was simple, you, like, you would have had this hands down. But Yeah. But bro, man. Anyway, let's 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 progress. I got I got so much points, but we could, we could I could say them later. Yeah, at this point, I think we just could be on chapter thirteen. I'd be looking at yeah. the time. I say, yeah, we ain't gonna we can see, but because I'm like, we could just get the points out as well as what I try to say. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, we could put like to everyone, even with Gideon, we like, yeah, we could put ourselves in Gideon's shoes and see why he was like had had the lack of faith. We could put ourselves in Saul's shoes too, because like again, if I just see you at a company. I can want to take matters into my own hands. I get that. But I, I, I feel like Saul has a special certain, especially of certain circumstances here, which he, which he knew right from wrong, but he still was like, okay, you know what? I'm the king out of final buck stop which, which, with me. And that's a good attitude to have in almost all circumstances, but this one. And we see what stuck out to me too. We see like in verse 14, but your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, which we know who that is, but we're so close to the story. Y'all can wait for two more episodes to find out who that is. Right, right. <laughs> for those who don't know. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Think about it. You yet two into your reign as king and Saul ruled for like, what, 40 years? Mm. You yet two into your reign and you already know what is, is, is over? I can kind of see why he got bitter at the end now. Yeah. You, yeah, two into your reign, and you already know, bro, this ain't gonna last. He never even stopped, bro. He never even really had a reign that he could enjoy for real, bro. Like, it's wild. And, I mean, I, I can talk about, but talk about that a little later, because I'm like, you, instead of, you know, trying to repent, you almost double down in your actions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my, but, okay. So, in verse 15, we see, then Saul left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and in Benjamin. And Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. I think I probably read that. And then so in verse 16, Saul and his son, Jonathan, so now we see Jonathan is Saul's son. And the men who, and the men with them were, say, were staying in Gabal, in Benjamin, while the Philistines camped in Michmash. I don't know why I say it like that. <laughs> Raiding parties went up from the Philistine camp in three detachments. One turned toward Ophrah, in the vicinity of Shaul, another turn, another toward Beth Heron, and the third toward the borderland overlooking the valley of Zeboim, facing the wilderness. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews would make swords or spears. And I can give the, I can give the Philistines this. They smart. Smart, very smart. They eh? smart. <laughs> These people who's an abomination to us, y'all ain't coming to kill us now. Y'all ain't coming to wage war against us. Oh, because I, because I, think about it, right? This is before they even consider them abomination, right? This is during the, this is, this is the time when we conquered y'all. But you know what we could do? We could take out, we could take out the methods in which it would take for you guys to even come back and overthrow us through physical means. Because now, if I take away your ability to create weapons, now you can't produce weapons which would severely lower your chances or the likelihood of y'all coming to wage war against me to regain power. And that's why I think that was just so smart. Like, that's just, it's like times like this we see today. Like, if a, uh, yeah, but when a nation invades a nation, (laughs) you try to take out their structural and their infrastructural needs that could, you know, cripple them. So if I come there, I take away your ability to make weapons. Guess what? This is less weapons you can make against me in time of war. And so I just think that was that was smart. And I granted the Philistines on the on the opposition side. So I ain't really trying to praise them. I just said that was a that was a decent tactic that they employed against the Israelites. So all of Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, mattocks, axe, and sickles sharpened. And see, and it's even better. So now you guys have to come to me. So I actually could keep track of one, making sure you're actually producing no weapons. But I actually keep track of like, you know, all the sharp objects that you guys actually have 
like I always keep a, a, a small tally. Okay, they got about this much axes, this much sickles. And mostly you see all these things here, they really use for farming. They ain't really used for war. That's what I'm going to say, bro. These things, <laughs> a, a matox is like a, what do you call it? Like a, is that like a hoe? Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's like a hoe. Then you got a sickle. That's what they used to, to cut the, yeah, to reap the, the harvest and, yeah. Forks so, for hay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so the price was a was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plow points and buttocks, and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes for repointing gods. Yeah. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. That's it. We can just, we can leave this for next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it just fits with the next episode. But so, what are your thoughts overall? Like, because we got right. we got some time. Yeah. So, all right. So, the first point is going back to knowing what you believe. Why? Uh, why you believe it? Where it's from? Saul had to have known. As you're the king, bro. Um, Samuel, we see Samuel explain things to you multiple times, right? But it's important to, to believe these things and not just let them go in your air and out, out the other. Because if you truly respect God and you truly know that he is God and you understand the history and you trust these things are truthful, like you sincerely trust that, you will not be in a position where you have to take matters into your own hand. And that's what we see Saul doing. Saul did not believe Saul did not believe in God. And then at the same time, right, let's say he did believe in God, right? Saul is what I like to call man, a man, he's suffering from man character syndrome. Saul has drank from the cup of all the other Israelites in that the king is their savior. Now, this is kind of poetic to me because we, this is, this is, a, this is the beginning of a long line of kings Mm-hmm. I can't save nothing. Understand what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's so funny. The one king that they had that, that actually could have, like save them in battle and was actually a good warrior. They revere him till the end. They talk with him even probably till this day, right? Mm-hmm. However, we have a king savior that is undefeated in battle, you know. And I ain't even trying to do the benediction so early, but bro, okay, good. That's, yeah, no, no, I, I ain't trying to do the benediction. I ain't trying to try to end it, but that's why I'm saying that's why like the Bible is such a such an interesting book and such an important book, bro. They put all of their faith in the in the king, bro, but the king is not their savior, you know. And so the first the first chance, the first test that um, the king actually had, they running wild. Why? Explain to me why the Israelites was disheartened but while they have their king who they asked for, they literally they literally hired this man for this very moment, for when we going out to war against the other nations. Our king will lead us, our king, y'all rejoice, this is what y'all wanted. And now y'all get what y'all wanted, and now y'all running around and y'all scared, and y'all king panicking. The grass and green on the other side. But it's not, it's not, it's a scam, bro. Y'all scam yourself. <laughs> you feel me? Y'all really think, oh, I can get this king and then everything, everything solid, bro. Let's, bro, what is going to change when you have a leader, bro? Y'all have leaders, bro. A king is just a rich leader, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so, and y'all always had leaders. Y'all always had Saul and Samuel. You know what I'm saying? Y'all always had God. And that's the difference. We see Saul drink from the cup of the Israelites, thinking that I am supposed to be the guy to make everything right. Everything is in disarray. It's like imagine planning an event. When you when you're doing event planning, a lot of things could go, could and will go wrong. I just had a wedding. I do too much planning. My wife do most of the planning. Praise God. I, I I was sitting there watching stuff fall through. I was watching things not go as planned. You understand what I'm saying? And that's when you really, that's when you're faking God really get tested, bro. Because it's like, what you can do? You see what I'm saying? Like, for real, bro. Like, when you plan an event, when you have such life, life things happening. Saul, though, he did not subscribe to that. Saul subscribed to, all right, it's me. Saul acting like this was like Greek mythology or something. And this is before that happened, where he's like, bro, I'm the king or 
whatever. I gotta do this. Saul wanted to be Saul wanted to he, he shoot a long range hail Mary shot and he wanted it to go in and it, it had a high risk, obviously mm-hmm. high reward, because if God had blessed this and they had become victorious, then he would be written down in the books as or Saul, yeah, when everything go bad, I I do this and I blah 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 blah. In the next chapter, we can see we can see more about Saul mindset, mm-hmm. Saul mindset. But ultimately, the point I'm making is Saul did not know. You know, like how they say, if you know better, you'll do better. Mm-hmm. There's a bit nuance to that because people know better all the time and they don't do better, right? Mm-hmm. But let me tell you this, bro. If Saul understood the severity of his crime, he wouldn't do it, bro. If Saul know that doing this one thing was gonna cost me um, my my seat on the throne and my children's seat on the throne, he wouldn't do it, bro. And that's the thing. Saul, he, Saul was Saul. He wasn't. He wasn't learned enough about the things of the Bible, bro. He didn't understand. He didn't understand the severity of being the leader. You understand what I'm saying? And he didn't take the time to sort God to be his leader while he lead Israel. You know what gets me when uh, I think it was in, in in chapter ten when Saul was, you know, in. Um, overcome with the Holy Spirit, he started to prophesy and people was like, it's all a prophet now? Like, it's kind of mm. shocking to them. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and in that episode, we, we started to like, wonder like, yo, like, was, like, was Saul really just not of God? Like, like, was, like, what, like, what, like why was it so shocking? Mm-hmm. And to your point, I can't say he wasn't a believer or anything like that. Like, so he thought he knew of God. But was he deep in the word? And it's evident that he wasn't. Because in times of trouble is when we as humans go to what we know best. We got to know what we know best. So like if you are a panicker, when things get rough, you panicking, you, you just going to say, okay, cool. And if you, if you use a personal action, when things get rough, you could take the pressure, but you still go into like, yo, this is what I do. I doing it. I, I go into that. If you was a man of God, you should be turning to God at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And like somebody, I don't know why, but I'm just like, okay, bro. Samuel just was saying how how bad, how 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 sinful it is that Israel asked for a king, and you was the first king. I personally would have tried to be on my P's and Q's, mm-hmm. and I know it's easy for me to say that because I ain't in Saul's shoes. I I fully admit that I'm in Saul's shoes, but again, like you 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 just heard Samuel say these things, like you ain't even got a Read no scroll to figure this out. You just literally heard Samuel say, bro, is it sinful thing that you guys do and ask him for a king? But guess what? God ain't believe his people because that ain't God's character. He can still be there for y'all. But you got to trust in him. You got to follow him. You got to listen to his commandments. Bro, and then, so, Ali, go, go, go for it. No, my bad. I got you, son. My bad. <laughs> no, because I was going to say, like, I was just going to go back and, like, okay, let me get a familiar understanding of how we got here. Because, I mean, again, all the Israelites know the story. Yeah, we came from... We gone. We came from Egypt. We conquered this land. Cause remember who it was? Um, was it Jephthah who gave that very uh, eloquent soliloquy oh, yeah, yeah, to the Jephthah. king and yeah. like the synopsis of how we got here and like proving like, like like this is exactly how this land is ours. Like you can't claim like this land. Like and if you and if you if you guys conquered it, would you guys give it back? Like come on now. Mm-hmm. So again, like you all the Israelites knew the history, but to me, okay, if I'm leading these people, I need to understand what it is to actually lead these people. I need to get a full understanding of our history, the word of God. If God chose me, why he chose me. And that might just be me and my temperament and my mindset and my personality type and how I approach things. And I'm like, you as the king now, you just see no play, play thing no more. And you already see how simple it was for them to ask you for this. So why of a sudden if God appointed you, means if God called you to it, you know you could do it, Right. But in a first time, your first test, I mean, again, you, you already trusted in God before and when you went to go rescue the people from Naash. And so now you're crumbling because the, num- because the, num- because the stakes just get higher. There's more people, there's a bunch of people surrounding your camp now. But again, if you look at all the things with the other Israelites have been through up to this point and all the people God has helped deliver, Again, I just like Gideon because it was literally like Gideon had a master army over more than your 3,000 men and God dwindled it down to just to like 300 men. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, man. Like, what, what you doing? Like, you're supposed to be in your peace and Q. Like, and to me, I I, I, I guess I, I low-key disappointed and saw it because I'm like, you started off so good. 
you start off so good and now you just starting to be like you lost faith this quick and i know that's our human nature so again i feel like how you looking at yourself and saw looking at myself and saw and from a different angle like bro this like this all it took for you to lose your faith this all it took for you to lose your kingdom like seriously like things got hard and you just was like you start to crumble and take matters into your own hands and i'm like again like just turn to god like you have See, but you go for it. I so torn with that bro because like Saul could rationalize that this was his way of turning to God right and that's another reason why we honing in the significance of no one was in the book bro because you can't you can't disobey God and say that this was for God mm-hmm. you understand what I said but if God say the priest should do this you who are not a priest You shouldn't rationalize in your mind I am doing this for God because at the end of the day he was burning a sacrifice this is a, this is a um a practice that they do unto God not they they do it to God but it's for him to forgive them of their sins mm-hmm. and we know how important that is we we see how um Aaron's sons died because they offered a sacrifice they were drunk allegedly maybe more than likely drunk and they offer strange fire and they end up burning up itself this is a serious situation bro mm-hmm. these people bro they but you're about to go to war these people might not live or die why only why you ain't trying to be serious and atone for their sins but so I can say i was being serious bro i am the leader so i wanted to make sure everybody's sins was thrown for but guess what god didn't say that god did not tell you to do that if i was there and i was in a, 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 a from from leave from the tribe of levi god didn't tell me to do that God ain't tell none of y'all to do that. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's why that's why it really tear me apart because if Saul knew better, he either knowingly disobeyed, which would explain why Samuel took away, why Samuel said what, you know, basically prophesied that his, his kingdom wouldn't last, or he didn't know better and he tried to rationalize this thing. But like we mentioned earlier, or like I mentioned earlier, either way you put it, that's still wrong because God didn't say that. That's why it is important to know what's in the what's in the book, bro. It's important to know the exactly. law. You understand what I'm saying? So we can assume that he knew the law. He probably knew the law. I believe he knew the law, right? But mm-hmm. in the off chance that he didn't know the law, bro, it's still wrong, bro. You can't be saying he was the king of Israel. You can't be saying he was the leader of Israel. And you don't know the history of Israel? What type of thing that is, bro? Imagine, bro, I can be real with you. I can be honest with you. There's plenty of countries in the world I don't know nothing about. You can't put me in the, to be the king of this country. You understand what I'm saying? And I ain't, I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing but the history. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I am underqualified in that, in that situation. And I don't think that's what Saul was. See, one thing that's telling to me, right? And to your point, valid. And my thing is like, okay, even if you didn't know, it was your job to know the law. Even if you didn't know. But then one thing that also sticks out to me, we see Samuel say, guess what? The Lord has chosen someone who is a man after his own heart. Which kind of implies, bro, that Saul wasn't really seeking out after God. Because mm-hmm. for the line, just be so blatant, like, yeah, God's choosing now someone who's after his own heart because that ain't you. Mm-hmm. That ain't you. Because to me, that's such a strong rebuke. Like, because you have not kept what the Lord had commanded you to do. Like, again, I agree. Saul, Like I say, Saul wasn't unjustified in doing what he was doing, but the bad fact that he still did what was wrong makes it wrong. And even if you didn't know it was wrong, it was your job to know that it was wrong because you are the leader of these people. So you're supposed, you're the king. You are pulling the law in a different way. How you don't even know what the law is to uphold? Like, if you don't know the law, yeah. Yeah, like it, it, it's, it's literally your job to know these things. Or to be, or guess what? If a spiritual master, if you feel like you want to qualify, you know, you're really supposed to consult Samuel. And again, Prophet. you are the king. I, if there ain't no cell phones or nothing at that point, right? You have the authority to send messages to find Samuel and bring him to you. And then, like you say, it was utter. Exactly. Like if, if, we, if we had got to, if we had got, like, again, next week we're going to see that there were other priests because even though Samuel was the high priest, There were other priests that were still around. So if you, again, if Samuel was taken long, you could have got another priest to offer the sacrifice because the priests still have the right to offer sacrifice. The Levi tribe are the ones who do all the ceremonial functions. You from the tribe of Benjamin. 
So you can't even fake your way into saying I have some type of weird authority to do this. You, every Israelite know that's wrong. From mm. a point blank period, every Israelite know that's wrong. Even use the king or not. You know you ain't from the tribe of Levi. You know you ain't supposed to be offering no sacrifice. Like, mm. I mean, I, I just thinking about it, I'm like, every Israelite camp know is, because guess what? Like, we, as we was making light of when we was doing those episodes, the Levites, they, they, they can't fight. They nope. ain't got no real towns for themselves. No like, yeah. they living off of y'all. So, <laughs> even if you don't know, you know. Because you have no reason not to know. That's your whole life. That's your career, bro. Like, that's everything you want. Exactly. So, like, you know, you know your tribe ain't the sacrificial tribe. So, like, you know you ain't supposed to be doing this. So, it's still kind of even weird for me. Like, again, we were saying if he didn't know, but I can't even give him that excuse no more thinking about it. Because you... Yeah. There was no reason for you not to know you weren't supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Like, again, he got to find an ex-priest. Really and truly, it looks like if he, had, if he had waited one more hour and just had faith. Well, again, I don't know how long the sacrifices to take, but if you just wait, no. Because again, it shows like, and, and to me, this is why it was really a test. Because yeah, the odds are stacked against you. Yeah, things are looking bad. But where's your faith at the end of the day? Where's your trust in God at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Because if you did have the faith and you did have the trust in God, then again, my thing is you should have been praying and just focusing on God at this point, trying to lead the people of God and just encouraging your guys. God has our back. We have been through this before. And like, I ain't even trying to sound holier than thou. Because yes, it's a scary situation. I ain't making light of that. Yes, the enemy is against you. I ain't making light of that. But again, at the times when you feel like the odds are stacked the most against us, when the times you should be turning to God the most. Mm-hmm. And you're the king. Who knows? I guess, I see, I feel like I, I don't feel like I bashing on Saul. <laughs> Twigman might say going too hard on Saul. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Twigman. Shout out Twigman. One, one, thing, one thing I wanted to say, though. Yeah, go for it. Is, bro, God's time is not our time, though. Like mm. in every single thing, like the urgency. The, that's why. That's why the Bible do say in the New Testament. I think it's maybe Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. Right? Mm-hmm. But you know what it is. Someone tell you, don't be anxious. There's so much things in the for world nothing. that can make me anxious, bro. If someone have a gun in my face, you don't think I could be anxious? If I about to miss my flight, you don't think I could be anxious, bro? It's just certain things. Like really is invoke anxiety within you, right? And I, I ain't talking about like a mental disorder. I'm talking about things that you can't control, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that type of anxiety. But um, yeah, but there are certain things that happen that, that make you anxious, but the Bible is saying, don't be anxious. Just make your request known unto God, right? Um, but God's time is not our time, bro. Like you, you literally could be saying, bro, well, if I don't get to the if I don't get to the to the gate by five ten or whatever the plane, I can miss my flight. So you anxious about that? Anxious about that? But you never know. Bro. You pray to God. It might be God's will for you to miss your flight. You might teach you a lesson, or it might actually you might be saving you from something. Or you know what I'm saying. But at the same time, um, God might the flight might be delayed. That X Y Z. So much things that can happen, right? That's why it ain't it ain't it's it's. I feel like it's very beneficial for us not to be anxious because when you be anxious, you could be impulsive. And we see that salt sin right here, bro. He was impulsive, bro. The fact that as soon as you finish the sacrifice, the, the prophet come, that means you could have waited, but you should have waited just a little bit more and, and you would have passed the test. Think about how serious, think about this test was serious because, you know, the enemy coming towards y'all, they're about to kill y'all, but your life and death is at stake, right? However, your test was literally just to wait. You don't mm-hmm. have to do nothing else, bro. Wait, God wasn't even telling you do something or go fight against it. Da, 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 da. No, just wait. That was Saul's test. But the question, what, what I wanted to mention earlier, though, and this is a question for the audience, and this is something that you can put in the question for the week. Oh, I will. Too. I want the time. Yeah. What do you do when your promise is delayed? Hmm. When the thing that God promised you, the thing that you feel like you deserve, the thing that you have been assured will happen is delayed. 
what do you do? I think about um, Abraham. His his promise was delayed. And I was thinking about him too. <laughs> his promise is delayed. And so we see, we see Saul as well. It wasn't as severe as Abraham's promise, which was delayed for decades. But his promise was delayed for a few hours. And we see how that ended. And that's a big test. And it, it's obvious that this was a big test for Saul. But the question for everybody um, is, what do you do when your promise is delayed? The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away, an experience Saul knows firsthand. In the midst of a crisis, the king of Israel chose to put matters into his own hands, and through disobedience, he took those matters out of God's hands. And this was the decision that costed him the kingdom. But God's not completely done with Saul. The question is, will Saul continue to disobey? Or will he choose obedience? We'll find out next week on the next episode of A Breath of, of, a fresh, breath air. of fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by your host, Earl Roberts and Nikaz Gay. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at a breath of fresh air pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks everyone. And we'll see you next week.